All right. Am I on? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, good. Make sure. It's a little tricky in here. I know. But, man, I just honestly am sitting here thinking, I don't know how lucky I, how I get to be so lucky to be with this incredible group of people. Um, I truly mean that, man. I just have a real sense of the people of God coming together today and people that are in it, people that are following Jesus, people that are living by faith. We're going to take part in communion today, and God is doing a, a great work. I'm just glad to be part of it. Um, there are like 30, 33 or 34 of us have signed up for the summer step up this summer, so awesome response to that. Those are kicking off this week. And one more detail on the Eisenhower Summer School. We are going to have a meeting for that next Sunday right after our church service. So if you want to be part of that and haven't signed up, um, do that online this week and plan to come to that if you, if you can. We'll give some more details at the hotel right after our service. So we are this morning kicking off a new summer theme in our messages. We're going to be going through the parables of Jesus. Um, not all of them, but some of the parables of Jesus this summer. And parables are stories with uh, stories in everyday life, in everyday world. Many of them were agrarian or just very earthy stories, but they have a, a hidden meaning and a profound meaning. We're calling it parables hidden in plain sight because the parables present something kind of tangible, but there's also something hidden in these stories that you have to, you have to lean into if you're going to get it. So that's what we're going to be doing. We, uh, this morning we're going to talk about the one that's been on my mind recently, which the parable Jesus told about new wine and new wineskin. Kind of timely as we're doing communion. We're talking about wine this morning. But the, really this is a story about, about paradigm changes and seeing things differently than we were before and coming into a new way of, of believing and seeing than we ever had before. Um, we're actually not only going to talk about this concept, but after we talk through this, this passage, we're going to have a chance for any of you that just God's speaking to you about a paradigm, about a new wineskin that he wants to bring you into. We're going to have a few minutes just to hear from us. I'm really being the church um, with what God's speaking to you right here this morning. So be listening, be ready to bring something. Um, even before we go into communion, we're going to hear from each other. But I, I had an epiphany a few days ago. I was, I actually just picked up our little church pickup and trailer. Both of them had gotten worked on over the last couple of weeks. We needed a new clutch in the pickup, and we needed a new axle on the trailer. And I picked them up on Thursday. And so we've been dealing with like broken stuff, broken equipment, vehicles. And at the same time, um, I was someone close to me had their, their teenage daughter had, had, had wrecked their car and totaled it, and they were short of cash and trying to figure out how are they going to get a new vehicle. And so I was kind of, you know, in this, had been dealing with a lot of, like, just the issues of getting a car and lack and, man, the world's broken and people are messed up and there's a lot that just doesn't work in the world. And I was, um, had crossed the river because um, that's where the, the shops were that were fixing our stuff. And I was coming back across the Kansas River uh, as you start heading back into town. You know, you got that vista of downtown and the mall and everything, just the iconic look of Manhattan. And I saw, I just looked down at the mall parking lot and the theater there, and, and there was just like a, a row of cars that were driving around and all these cars in the parking lot. And 
it was a picture that if, if I was making an environmentalism documentary, I could have easily had like a dark filter and it would have been like, you know, we are humans of the contagion of this planet. We're using all the resources and there's just not enough. We're running out. But for whatever reason, maybe because I'm not a secular humanist and maybe because the sun was shining, I don't know. But I think it was, honestly it was just the Holy Spirit. I saw this picture and I was like, it just hit me like, wow, people, like, people are amazing. Look at all these people, and they all found a way, first of all, they found a way to invent the car, like, that's incredible. And then to find the resources in the world, people are amazing and God is abundant because we've got a world full of natural resources that people have put together to make these incredible inventions. And then all these ordinary people have found a way to buy a car. And, you know, I know a lot of them are up to their eyeballs in debt, but apart from that, like, this people are just the, the reality of people being image bearers and the ingenuity and the ability that God has put in humans and that we're not the, made to be the scourge of this planet, we're made to be the stewards and the ones who pull out God's purposes for this planet. And I just, it's like there was an epiphany, like I, I just like, oh man, people are the answer, actually. Like, these like broken, all, you know, all that, but people are actually God's choice. Like, people are amazing. People are image bearers, and we have the privilege of like being those people and helping people come into their purpose and bring God's life into the world. And so, I was seeing the same picture that, you know, you could have drawn a different conclusion, but there was like a new wineskin, a new paradigm to, to see it through. And really, Jesus wants to bring us into those kind of paradigm shifts, those new wineskins in the way we view our beliefs, the way we view things, the way we feel about things in so many areas of our life. And so, actually, before we jump into the passage, I just want to pray for us that, that God would do that very thing this morning yeah. as we read this. So, God, we just, we open up our, our hearts to you. Thank you that you're the God of infinite abundance. God, there's no limit with you. Jesus, everywhere where you are, where your presence is fully there, your goodness is fully there. God, and just this morning, where I, would, I pray that by your grace, you would, you would help us to come into more fullness of your goodness, more fullness of believing you, more fullness of knowing you, more fullness of being your disciples and, and living this out. Change things in us this morning. Show us what those things are and lead us into them. Holy Spirit, I just want to ask that you would be just even released in this place. Would you come and fill this place and this time? Would you speak to our hearts? Not just good ideas, but truth that will change us and lead us into your freedom. Thank you, God. Amen. Luke 5, one chapter after what Brendan was reading. Luke, we're going to pick it up in, in verse 17, but... Jesus had begun his ministry, and he was doing some amazing things. Um, he actually had just, he had just healed a leper, and that's, you know, that doesn't happen. That he, he prayed for a man with leprosy, he, and he laid his hands on him and healed him, and then he said, hey, go tell the priest, because that was what the law laid out, that if you were cleansed from a skin infection, you go and told the priest, and they gave you the okay to re-enter with regular society. And so this man had went and told the priest, and it says the word was spreading. The, the people were amazed at what Jesus was doing. 
and they'd never seen anything like this. And also among the priests and the religious leaders, they were like, wait, what's, what's going on? Like, this is, this is not something we've seen before. And so right after that, um, verse 17, it says, On one of those days, as this was happening, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. So the word was getting out, and Jesus was doing things that didn't fit their paradigm. He was doing things that they were, they'd never seen before. They'd never heard of before. And so they were, they were drawn, but they were also wrestling with, like, who is this and what is this? And how does this, how does this work? And it says, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And so there were people in a room, maybe like this. Or I don't know if they were, yeah, they were in a room. They were inside a house. And people were gathered, and in the, in the crowd, there were people in different places. There were people with different motives, different places in their hearts. But they were, they were wrestling with this, and they were in this place, and Jesus was there. And so, this is the story. We're not going to look at this story, but it's where the, the dudes brought their friend who was paralyzed, and there was no room because it was so crowded, and they cut a hole in the ceiling and dropped him down. And then Jesus looked in, a few verse, in verse 20, it says, When he saw their faith... Jesus loves faith. When he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So just think about that. Okay? It's, I mean, we, in there, from where they sat and with their incomplete understanding of who Jesus is, They, it was, although this man had been healed, who he was paralyzed, there was a problem that didn't fit their belief system. And it was that this man was saying he was forgiven him of his sins. And that was, like, that was not okay. That was not kosher. That, like, this is a man claiming to forgive sins. And we can be like, oh yeah, the Pharisees, like, they're, they're a bunch of bums. What's wrong with them? But, you know, that's like the kind of appropriate response in some ways. Like they had good theology. Like they knew that only God could forgive sins. But they had a limited framework, a limited understanding. And so often that's the way it is with us. Like God is, God is wanting to do something, ready to do something, or he is doing something. But our, our lack of understanding of who Jesus is, our limited faith in him keeps us from from receiving and being part of what he wants to do. You with me? Anyone besides me do that? See when you do that? It's like God is like reaching out to you. And maybe people around you are, are experiencing good things and you're like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about your theology. And yeah, theology matters. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to be, we've got to be careful that our current understanding, our current paradigm doesn't limit us from coming into what what God has for us. And it's all about this. It's that they, they were saying, hey, only God can forgive sins. And they were right, but the problem was is they had an incomplete understanding of who Jesus is. It all comes down to how much do we realize who Jesus is? How much do we realize how big he is, how good he is? How much do we realize that he is God? And uh, really our, our lack of understanding of the goodness of God is what holds us back so much.
We may be like, oh, new wineskins. Like, you know, it's going to be about I need to do more. I need to, like, I need to, like, be more committed. I need to, I need to step out more. And that may be the result. But it's really about I need to have a bigger understanding of who Jesus is. I need to expand my trust in, in the bigness and the goodness of God. That God's goodness is more than I, than I currently imagine. So this, this blew their minds. Um, so let's skip on down. Verse 27. Um, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Levi's the same guy as Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Okay, so a lot of us know this story. I like how they did that in The Chosen, how they showed Matthew, and Jesus calls him, and it shows the scandal of it all, really, that here's the tax collector. This is like, say you're a follower of Jesus and you're in MAGA land. You're a MAGA person. And then Jesus calls a Biden administration person who works for the Treasury Department. Who's like sold out to that camp. Like, uh, no, 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 no. Like, that's not the person you call. That's a tax collector. He's in league with the Romans and he's betrayed us. He is working for the Romans. He's sold out his loyalty to the people of Israel just for money. And then Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, Levi, I want you. And Levi, like, there's something, like the authority of Jesus and the kindness and the, the so he's, he knew, he, he sensed what was going on, something what was going on, and he gets up and he leaves everything and he follows Jesus. And I love that too. It's like he, it says he, he left everything. Well, verse 28, leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Inherent in following Jesus is leaving everything, right? To enter the kingdom, to become a disciple. It's you, what's the way in? You repent. You turn away from your old life. You turn away from your sin. And you turn to Jesus. Repent. Repentance and faith. That's the way in. Um, you leave your old life and come into something more. And we're, we're in this room, a bunch of believers. Like, we've left stuff. Praise God. Like, we've left stuff. We've left old sins, old habits, old addictions, and come into a new life. And, man, what a gift that is, right? Like, what a gift that there's the ability to repent. There's the ability to change that Jesus gives us. There's the ability to leave the stuff we were stuck in that held us captive in bondage. And we can come out and come into a new life. Like, that is such a gift. Like, that is not humanly possible, true, true repentance, true, true change. And the way we enter the kingdom is the way that we continue as followers of Jesus. It's that, you know, and when we started this thing, for some of us, like, that was a very radical change. That was, okay, my old friends, new group of friends. My old habits, new group of habits. My old addictions, 
new set of, new set of, of no more addictions and new things, <laughs> new set of addictions. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it was radical. And, and what's crazy though is that, that it's, it's very easy to do that and then we're like, okay, now I'm good. And the thing about being a disciple is a disciple is, it's an active state. It's a follower of Jesus. We're not like, I, I was a disciple, or I discipled myself. Like, I, Jesus discipled. No, it's this ongoing thing. And so, in one of our core values is growing people change. Growing people change. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Growing people change. But Miniger said that people view change as death followed by pain and loss. And that's like, that's how our souls deal with, like, there's something about change that we're like, okay, no, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, this, that, that sounds painful. I don't know about that. But the life that Jesus calls us into is always going from strength to strength, glory to glory. Like continuing to learn and come into more that God has for us. Growing people change. Okay, so Jesus calls Levi. When am I going to get to the wineskins? We're getting there. This is all the setting. Um, verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. So this is cool. Levi, like he's gone from being a tax collector. I'm not sure his lifestyle, but maybe he was stingy. You know, maybe he was like frugal with his money, or it was for him. But now he's like, man, my money's not mine anymore, and I want to share it with others. And so he throws a party. And he's opening up his house, he's sharing his stuff, he's inviting his friends, the other tax collectors, sinners, people are gathered around. And verse 30, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I'm kind of like, wait, who invited them? <laughs> Did Levi invite them? I'm not sure. Or maybe they're not in the party, maybe they're jealous that they're not in the party, I don't know. But they're, like, I think they probably just invited themselves to this, this gathering, but they're, again, they're like, wait, Jesus, you're supposed to be, if you're good, like, why is this a crowd full of sinners? Why is this a crowd full of, of bad people? We, we know that, like, to follow God, you got to be holy. you got to be set apart. you got to remove yourself from the world. But then, like, this is all the stuff we're trying to avoid, all here in one place. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Don't we love Jesus? Man, he's so good. You know, that's, that's him. That's his heart. It's like, it's not, I'm not here for just the righteous. If you don't need me, you don't need me. You know, but you do need me. But really, I'm here for, like a doctor for the sick. It's sinners, man. It's all about calling people in to this thing. That's paradigm shift you need, boys. Come on. And so, and they, so you can tell these fair, these like, and it's like the more, the more higher up they were in this religious establishment, the harder it was for them to compute what Jesus was doing. And it was kind of funny, like the normal people, they were just like, hey, this is great. Jesus is healing people. He's delivering people from evil spirits. He's like, there's a party going on. Like, we think this is good. But they're like people with more like religious history, like they were the ones who were struggling with everything. It was harder for them. It's interesting. And they had another challenge. So in verse 33, they said to him, we got another question we've been like trying to figure out here. The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. 
but yours eat and drink. It's interesting. They noticed that, okay, like that was part of, of being a, a religiously observant, serious Jew is that you would, you would fast and pray. And their, um, the, the, the Pharisees, their disciples, had prayer and fasting as part of their rhythm and their routine. John the Baptist, his disciples, prayer and fasting was a big part of what they did. And here's this new rabbi. He's got disciples. And they're not doing this spiritual routine that, that the others did. And it's like, well, fasting, I mean, that's, that seems like good. That's, like, that's what everyone does. Why would you not fast? It didn't, there was something, he was different than everything around them. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Okay, this, this is actually really deep. I, we could, I have been thinking about this. They're pretty crazy, but basically what it's saying is that, hey, Jesus is the, the groom, and the groom has showed up on the scene. It's like, like a wedding day. And that's not the time for fasting. That's not the time for mourning. That's the time for joy. That's the time for celebration. That's the time for all the, you know, fasting is because things are broken in the world. Fasting is because there are places in the world where God's presence has not yet fully invaded it and brought transformation. We... You know, he said, after he goes, you're going to fast again. Then they'll fast because then there's, you know, there's this not yet reality. And we're, we're fasting for him to come back and for him to bring his presence. But everywhere where his full presence fully is, there's no need for fasting. Everywhere where his presence fully is, there's no need for prayer. Because what the, the, the gap has been eliminated. He has eliminated that gap and brought it together. He also told them a parable. Here it is. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he takes a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment, if he does that, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. So he's saying, okay, you got a shirt. It gets a hole in it. You got jeans. It gets a hole in it. My mom used to patch my jeans. Any of you get jeans clothes patched growing up? I don't think that happens anymore. Yeah, those of us, oh, yeah, okay, a few of you. Like, yes, come on. That's right. That, I mean, jeans cost more now. I'm not sure why we're not patched. It's like way more. But anyway, but if you take a pair of jeans that's been worn and it's been washed a few times and it's shrunk, and then you put a new patch on there that hasn't shrunk yet, when you run it through the wash, that new material, it's going to shrink. And then you're going to rip the jeans. And so you wouldn't do that because you know that's going to result in bad things. He goes on. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled. And the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. So, you know, it's... And now the same sort of analogies in, in biblical times when they would, would make wine, they didn't have bottles, they didn't have glass bottles, but they would put wine in leather skins. And 
they would put new wine in new leather skins because as wine is developing, as it's fermenting, it's alive, it's moving, it's expanding. And you want the leather to be supple. You want the skin to be supple so that it can expand as the wine is expanding. But if you take new wine and you put it into old wine skins that have been used and they've already been stretched and now they're dry and they've been stretched to the max and they've you know, been dry and like my leather couch in my basement. I mean, like multiple times a year, we've got to put leather conditioner on that thing because it dries out and gets all cracked. And so, yeah, you can't put new wine into old wine skins because as it expands, it's going to burst those skins. And so Jesus is tying this to all, all that he's doing. Like, hey, I'm, I'm bringing new wine. There's something new that I'm doing. There's something good that I'm doing. I want to bring it to you. I want to give you some new wine. I want to bring you more of my grace, more of my life. But it's essential that you have a container to receive it in. That is not your old, cracked, comfortable container that you're used to. You're going to have to put, take on some new mindsets. You're going to take on some new beliefs, some new actions. To, to take the new wine that I'm giving you, it's not going to fit. It's not going to work if you just try to put that where you're at right now. What God wants to do in my life, it's not going to... I can't receive it unless I have a new wineskin, a fresh wineskin that lets that grow. That's, you know, our, so real. So real. There's more of God. There's more of him than we've known before. There's more of what he wants to do in our life. But for us to receive that, we have to take on a new, new skin, new structure. We've got to expand in different ways to come into that. The next thing Jesus says, it's very interesting, he says, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. One of the biggest hindrances to us getting the new wine that God wants us to have is being content with the wine we've already got, being content with the life that we already have. And so often, I mean, being a Christian, it's a good life. <laughs> like, there's, there are blessings that come. From, from following Jesus. There are blessings that come from believing in Jesus. Um, but there are blessings that come even just from morality. There are blessings that come from, from religion, even religion of any sort. Like there is some level of blessing that will come to your life from adhering to, to these to principles. But it's interesting that those things can keep us from the new thing, from the fresh thing, from what God wants to do in our life. So, what are those? You know, I, I, I want to make one more point that it's not saying necessarily, not, not, old, not all old wineskins are bad. Like this, like the old wine was good. It tasted good. It's, it's not bad. But it's just not the new thing. It's just not the current thing that the Holy Spirit's doing. And it was maybe, oftentimes it's things that it was, it was used in the past. It, it used to be a new wineskin. There was at one point in your life where that was a new wineskin. There was a, one point in you know, church life that that was a new thing. I mean, I was, when I was growing up, there was, there was still like a lot of tension in the church about like, do we sing hymns or do we sing contemporary songs? 
Do you dress up for church or do you not? Do you have pews or do you have chairs? And it's that some of those things like, well, those old songs, they're good. Those, those were new songs at one point. Those were actually bar songs, a lot of them. And these moves of God, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. But that's, you know, and you can still enjoy that. But there's something new that God is doing now. And don't miss out on the new because of your love for the old. And so in our lives, it's like we can, like, okay, this far and no more. Like, I, I got here, but am I ready for the new thing? Um, what are some, what are some wineskins? I, I've got a few. Um, there's so many, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you all are hearing. But one old wineskin could be, man, I, I hear God in nature. I don't need to go to church because I hear God in nature. I don't need to go to, I don't need to read the Bible because I hear God in nature. But, you know, a new wineskin could be, well, God, there's even a greater revelation of God in his word. There's, yes, it's good to hear God in nature. Do that. But also, read the Bible. Also, come to church. Also, learn from other people. Um, maybe it's like, old, you know, old wineskin, good wineskin is, man, this is God's word. This is, I, I, I know what's true because this is God's word. But new wineskin might be, hey, in addition to that, God wants me to hear his voice personally. God wants to speak to me. I, I can, it needs to really come alive. I can hear his voice like a sheep. Here's the voice of the shepherd. Um, for me, I, a great wineskin in my life has been an hour in the morning with God, reading the Bible, praying, starting my day that way. But recently, I, I clearly discerned, God's, God prompted me, and he said, hey, for what you're doing right now, you need to be interceding for another, another hour in the day sometime. You need to be like that. For, you're not going to see, like, I, you need to do that to see my kingdom come in your family, in, in your life, in, around you. And so I'm like, okay, that's, that's a stretch. Like, that's been a stretch in a lot of ways. But as I'm coming into that, oh, my goodness, it's so good. It's so good. And some of it's like, I don't even know if it's good. I, I can't even tell what's happening, but I'm trusting that, that man, something good's happening as this, as this is going on. Uh, maybe an old white skin is like, maybe what Levi has, like, hey, be careful with money. That's a good wine skin. But a new wine skin might be, hey, trust God with your money more and be more generous with your money. That, that could be a good one. Maybe a good wine skin is, hey, a house is a good investment. Take care of it, steward it. But a new wineskin could be, hey, a house is a great place to, to bless people, a great place for hospitality. That's what a house is. Um, old wineskin, give 10% of your money. New wineskin could be, hey, give all my money. That's, that's, that's really the wineskin God has for me. Um, maybe for you, an old wineskin, this is a good wineskin, is, man, people are more important than tasks. Or you could flip it around. I mean, that wasn't such a good one, ever. But maybe that's your wineskin. Some tasks are more important than people. But coming into a new one, but it may be for some of you like, hey, you know what? Task can be, I need to be more faithful with my tasks in order to help people better. I need to just, I need to be more responsible with day-to-day tasks in order to, to love people and bless people. Man, we could go on and go on and on and on. Maybe it's, man, God is just. God's a just God. But the expanded wineskin is, yes, God is just, but man, I have not even got a glimmer of how good God is. 
I need to open up to the goodness of God more than ever. Um, one really cool one, last summer we spent a lot of time talking about how um, ministry is, like there's a, a bad old wineskin is that ministry is for the pastor and staff. But really, the biblical wineskin is, no, ministry is for all the people of God. And I'm excited, man. I think that's happening in such great ways. And, but room for us to keep coming into that more and more and more. Um, all right. That's good. So, how about you? Let's, I just want you to think about, we've got two questions here. Think about this for you. What is one thing, to, this is to ask God. We'll take a minute and just ask God this. What's one thing that you're ready to do in me, God? What's one type of new wine that you're ready to do in my life? And then what's one old way of thinking and or acting where I need an upgrade? All right, let's go ahead. Just close your eyes. God, would you show us? Well, thank you that you, your goodness is beyond our comprehension. Lord, what's one area in each of our hearts, each of our lives, beliefs, actions? What's one area? One, one new thing that you're ready to do in us. God, what's one old way of thinking or acting where I need an upgrade, where I need to change, I need to take on a new wineskin to receive that? pray you'd make this clear and you'd help us to take those on. Um, any, who's got something? Let's just take a few minutes and I think it'd be really encouraging to hear from a few of us. They're like, man, this is my life. This is, I see this. This is my, this is the new wine God wants to put in my life. This is the new wine skin that I need. Got some, come on up. Come on. Um, where's that? <laughs> Good morning, Good morning, church. Ate a lot of food. Enjoying it. Um, but I left there so uplifted. It was, it was amazing. And not only was I uplifted, but I was wanting to do more, you know, uh, for Christ. And um, I guess when it comes to what is a new thing you're ready to do in me, 
the one thing I want to I want to be you know I want to do more. Um, the other thing is I realize that you know I I I try to read uh, get in the Bible every morning before I go to work and and uh, but I do it by myself. Okay, the one thing that that I that I noticed is that you know I need to socialize with more Christians because that's uplifting. That's that's what really. You know, I, it was so so much fun just sitting there talking to 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 Christians, and I think that it also helped me realize that I can do more. You know, I can do more. Awesome. So, can y'all hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's great. Right. Um, and so that's one thing. The other thing is, um, I just got back from from these football camps in Texas, and and it was so amazing to see. I've been doing this for a long time, so. I saw a lot of my ex-players that uh, that that are now coaching and they're doing their thing, and um, some of them are now they had their kids at the camp. That's how long I've been doing this, <laughs> a long time. But it, it was so uplifting to see that these some of these some of these kids that I coached they 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 struggled. They they really struggled in doing the right thing, and um, you know some of them struggled academically and. But to see that they 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 found a way to get it done, and and now they're giving back uh, to to young men and coaching, and even my son was there. He's a coach now. So all that that was wonderful. Um, the one thing that I would say is that you don't want to give up on uh, some maybe your relatives, uh, your parents, your your sisters, your brothers, uh, because they may be going through a difficult time. Don't give up on them. Continue to, to feed into them to, so that, that maybe someday, you know, that they're going to get it and, they, you know, and, and then they're going to turn the corner and start going in the right direction um, because it, it, it's, it's, it's different. Jonathan talked about patches and, you know, I don't know how many of us are old enough. We, had, <laughs> we got patches. That's just the way it was. Now things are different. You know, uh, kids and, and the kids I coach now, they're going through different things than what the kids I coached 15, 20 years ago. So I got to kind of change and, and, and try to see how I can help them get through their issues now and not just try to coach them the same way I coached those kids a while back because it's different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part of change that Jonathan talked about as well. So, you awesome. know, just don't give up. If you got somebody that's going through some issues, continue to pour into them. And believe me, it's not always going. That's not always going to work. Some, some, some of them aren't going. They won't change. But that's not on you. It's our job to continue to to pour into them and feed into them. So anyway, awesome. that's what I have done. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So good. So good. Who else? What up, Macy? Hi, everyone. My name is uh, Chloe. I <laughs> called you Macy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, honestly, I didn't even Who notice if that makes you feel better. <laughs> I did not notice at all. Uh, um, so <laughs> I really didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, <laughs> 
Um, so over this past month, I feel like I've kind of been wrestling with the idea of like God is wanting to bring something new into my life. And so I've been really struggling with like, okay, God, but what is that? Like, I know you have a goal in mind, but I feel like you have not revealed that to me at all. So I was kind of like wandering aimlessly of like, okay, I'm just going to try and continue reading my Bible. But I'm like, I don't know. What is it that I'm supposed to be striving for? Um, and so over this past week, and I feel like it was confirmed today, was that I'm not very good at finances. And I know that. But it's one of those where it's like I want to give generously as well. So it's like how do I steward my money well in order to continue to give generously? Um, and how do I do that while honoring God? So that's kind of been a big battle that I've been kind of like trying to figure out. And I feel like, again, God kind of revealed another thing to me where it's like, okay, I'm also not willing to sacrifice. Like, I have a hard time giving tithe. And that's probably one of the first steps is, like, I should be giving tithe whenever I'm getting that. Um, So really just inviting him to lead me where I should be placing my money. And so I feel like that's going to be something that's going to kind of happen throughout this summer and then just really have full practice with it in the fall. in order to be prepared for the spring. So I feel like that's another thing that he's been telling me was like something's going to happen in the summer. It's going to prepare me for the fall to practice in the fall and then prepare me fully for the spring. So I feel like that's kind of where now I have a goal in mind about what it is. So there we go. That's awesome. Come on. That's a good new paradigm, new wineskin, Chloe. Awesome. Anybody else? It's powerful. All right. Going. Going. Gone. All right. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks, buddy. That was so good. Well, we're going to take part in communion right now. And I just want to read um, the passage in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul talks about this. We touched on this two weeks ago. We were talking about how really this is a time of consecration to the Lord, of remembering Him, of making sure that we're honoring Him and not having any areas of our life where He's putting His finger on that we're holding on to, but that we're giving everything to Him, that we're in right relationship with other people, and that we're receiving fresh grace from Him as we, as we do this. Um, so I'm just going to read the words of Paul here. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, I believe. Yeah. In the following instructions, I don't commend you, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you, or that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So he's saying, hey, I got to give you a little fatherly direction here. This is important. But you're doing something, but you got the wrong wineskin. You got the wrong mentality. And it's important. And so it's important to change. So first thing is, hey, you're coming together, but it's, it's divisive. And not everyone's genuine. Not everyone's a genuine follower of Jesus. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. In verse 20, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? So basically say, hey, your old, your false mentality is that you're, it's about 
you're coming together, the stuff that you're doing, it's for your own flesh. It's for your own fleshly needs and desires. But it's not about honoring God. It's not about the spiritual nourishment that you really need. Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. So, there's this, you know, it's important that we're looking at internally. Okay, God, where am I at? Am I, am I coming to receive from you, to honor you, to unite with you, to be united with you? And verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So this is, there's something we're believing as we're taking the cup, as we're taking the bread. We are, we are, it's a covenantal act with Jesus. And it is him that we are opening up to and saying yes to in our life. And it's his death that makes this possible. And he goes on, whoever therefore drinks the bread or eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. We talked about last week, that's both about like treating seriously like these elements as a means of grace, a means of us connecting with Jesus, and also discerning the body as in the body of Christ, and not living independently, but being part of the body. That's why many of, you, many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And those words of, man, it's important to do this in an appropriate way, only if we're in the right place with the Lord, there's no pressure. We don't want anyone to do this unless you're confident that Jesus is my Savior, He's my Lord, I've holding on to nothing in my own, but I'm trusting you as my Savior and, and Lord. And there, it, but also as we do that, I just, I love, I think it's important to be sober about that, that man, sickness and death can be a result of not doing this appropriately. But the flip side is also true, that as we do it appropriately, there's a grace that God brings into our life. And I've just even had a faith and a prayer this week that man, as we, Take part in communion. Lord, would you even remove sickness from our midst? Would you, would you bring healing? Would you bring greater life? Bring your goodness into your people as we come with expectancy, as we come with faith, as we, as we see you're the same Jesus that shocked people by how good you were. You, you're that same Jesus, and we're coming to you, trusting you, and, and walking with you, giving our lives to you fully today. So if you want to take part in this, um, we'll just... It'll be a little tight on the steps, but we got a couple uh, at the table and the counter. We have the elements. If you want to head on back there and get those and just come to your seat, and we'll, we'll take the bread and the cup together.